All right, so we'll give people just a couple seconds to, to hop on this Slido here if you would like to participate. <clears throat> but yeah, it's going to be a, a fun chat today. There's lots of different ways to go with, with nature cults. Um, and so we'll go ahead and, and start this poll. The, the information will be there on the left-hand side if you want to, uh, if you're still joining. So who were more entrenched in nature cults, ancient Israel or the modern saints? What would you say? Is it uh, one of those? Is it equal or is it neither? Give just a couple seconds to hop on this. All right, we're neck and neck. <laughs> That's only two people that have voted. <laughs> yeah, how many did we got on so far? All right. Oh yeah, just reading the the chat here. Welcome, Jennifer. Yeah, we're we're excited whenever we can have you. <laughs> and I'm uh, I just was saying I'm sorry. I'm I'm always gone and I'm never here. But I just wanted to say hi, and I'm so excited. I don't want it to feel like I am mm -hmm. not so excited because I I'm an I'm a pianist and I I have so many commitments. But I, yep. I'll be back. And anyway, thank you for letting me join. Yeah, for sure. And so um, are you able to access the recordings and, and things like that? Is there anything? Yes. Yes. I just started. Listen, I just listened to the last one last week. Loved it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. All right. So kind of a, a split between Israel and saints, but uh, kind of heading toward that they're equal here, uh, more involved in, in nature cults. All right. So the next one. Would you consider nature cults the catalyst or the result of other idolatry mentioned in this book? So that one's a, it, it's kind of like, is it the cause or the effect? Mm, good <laughs> question. A hard question. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. know how I answer this. Mm, yeah, think about this one. Hmm. I think this is a, a good one to maybe post on the the Facebook. Mm -hmm. yeah, Claire says <laughs> there should be a category. Not sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I should have put that in there as well. Because yeah, I, this one's a, a hard one. To I had to really think hard about it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't felt that hard in a few days. That's too early. <laughs> I love that. All right. So uh, being a, a result and both uh, kind of in there with a, a neither. Yeah, very interesting. All right. So 
what is the opposite or a sacred equivalent of nature cults? So if Satan is working so hard to imitate or twist a good thing, what's the good thing? And this is also another hard one. It's like, oh, I have to come up with words. <laughs> How do we answer this one? I'm not. Uh, so you can type in uh, any kind of word or, or phrase there that you'd like. Oh, okay. I guess I've got to enlarge my screen or something. Cameron, I don't know why I've been able to do polls before, but I don't seem to be able to do this one. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Is it? Are you using it in another screen or? No, it's just not, it's oh. just different for some reason today. Uh -huh. Yeah, you've got to open it up in a new window and join that Slido in, in the other one uh, because you won't be able to see the Zoom and this at the same time. Yeah, I did open it up in another window. That's <laughs> okay. weird. Wait, let me see something. Hmm. I can see everything, I just can't. Mm -hmm. So yeah, creation seems to be a, a common word here. All right, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll take a look at that and see what we can do to, to get that fixed for you next time. <clears throat> Yeah, sometimes the slideos are good, sometimes they're not, but. <laughs> All right. Creation, church attendance, mountain of the Lord, um, temple of worship, Eden, Heavenly Mother. Uh, one of the things that uh, tie into this nature cults here. So for, for those who are just joining and stuff, I see a few new faces. So um, we're going through the modern idolatry book. Um, and this is also in the last days. Um, uh, it's one of the sections in this book. And today we're talking about nature cults. Now we're just taking one chapter each week. So it's just a couple pages, but man, these have been some, some very interesting discussions talking about modern idolatry. Um, so I kind of debated like where I want to even start out with this. So let me uh, start with where we're headed, right? The uh, dreams, visions, near-death experiences that Avraham, uh, that series that he has. Uh, in number seven, he actually talks about the blowback that he received from this chapter. And so uh, I'd like to kind of play some of that really quick, just a second. Okay. Let's see. When I read visions, can you hear that? Mm -hmm. Glory, and I saw what Spencer had seen of the Tahitians. I knew in the book of Mor from the Book of Mormon that that was also happening to the Nephites who had apostatized, and we'll read that in a minute. Because apostasy—that's where apostasy goes. Ultimately, it goes there. When I wrote my book, The Last Days, I had horrendous opposition to it because. It was my second book with Desert Book, 
um, because I had talked in one of the in one of the sections of the, in my chapter on modern idolatry about the satanic cult or rather nature cult. And I knew nothing about satanic cult at that time uh, or nature cults. I was just simply borrowing from Isaiah what he had to say about it, which we'll discuss in a minute. And then I was contacted by, by two psychologists, one in Logan, one in Salt Lake, independently, and a caseworker in Burley, Idaho, who were depro deprogramming satanic cult victims. And they said to me, they called me out of the blue and said, um, you have exposed the cult, which I knew nothing about any cult, in your book, The Last Days, and they're going to kill you. And I thought, no, come on. And uh, so they said, we're going to do a strategy. Let them know that we know, then they'll back off. And so later on, when some actions were taken against me, the cult, they reported back to me, took credit for my defamation. And so there, I, I'm not speaking from ignorance when I'm talking about these things. I'm speaking from personal experience with it. And you can take that how you, how you, how you wish, you know. So just kind of an interesting little teaser as we, after Modern Idolatry, we're going to head into the, the Dreams, Visions, and Near-Death Experience series. And um, I, that's just like one of the, like, the little nuggets that you get in there that you don't get anywhere else. Um, I, I find it very interesting how it, it's this little section, right? I mean, there's what, two pages of, of little information, but this is what actually got him the blowback that brought about his defamation case and, and got him excommunicated and everything is like, this is a pretty hard hitting one. Uh, those that are- one a year? Wait a minute, Cam Cameron, uh -huh. are you saying that it was this chapter nine that got him excommunicated? It's not the, the topic that got him excommunicated, but it riled up a group that then started protesting him and and turning in his material to, to church leaders to try to get him excommunicated any way that they could. It riled up a nature cult that had that much sway with the general authorities. Yeah, exactly. So it's within our own church. That was within our own church? Yeah. Oh. It's within our own church. I have firsthand experience with all of this. You do? I do. Um, when I lived up in Logan, Utah, um, I was friends with a whole bunch of psychologists and, and one I was very close to, and um, that was their job was to um, work with perpetrators and the children who had been sexually molested and abused in this cult. And it was super intense and it, the death threats and all that are super real. Um, <clears throat> Is I, well, I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying you're not telling the truth when I say that sounds unbelievable. It's just that when I read this chapter, I thought, this seems so jumbled and confusing. I don't understand this. No, it's hidden in plain sight and it's super shocking because you don't see it or hear about it. But um, my friend who grew up, um, she was she was raised in a satanic ritualistic abuse cult 
And I think it goes back generations, 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 and it's very hidden, very secretive, and they're very protected by law enforcement, uh, even by psychologists, even by lawyers, government. It's super satanically, it's got its fingers around every bit of our society, but as she grew up, um, she saw human sacrifices. She, as a little child, she was ritually sexually abused her entire life. And anyway, it was intense. Is was this, like, the, was she a member of the church? No, she was not. But um, her colleagues, <clears throat> her colleagues from, uh, they were in North Ogden who worked with this group. Uh, one of them was raised in the church with, um, you know, a family with many children in her family. She had apostatized at that point, but most of what happened to, and most of these therapists had been sexually abused and they knew what was going on. And so they knew how to help their clients. And my friend could only work with the kids. She couldn't bear to even have anything to do with the perpetrators. So it takes really special people to be able to do that work. Mm -hmm. That was just in little Logan, Utah. And I think they went over to Brigham City for their, a lot of, they had little satellite clinics around all over but Brigham City was a place where they went a lot and I just I just kind of knew about it I didn't ask a lot of questions because you know things you hear and see you can't unsee or unhear them once you do so I knew her for a very long time and oh she was she was in therapy her entire life trying to be deprogrammed from it all and just the terrible memories and like she'd have pains of body memories. It was super intense. And she ultimately died a terrible death. And oh. um, oh. it was very traumatic. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. It was sad, but I was happy when she passed away because she was free from her torture. And actually my daughter and I did all of her temple work, so. Mm -hmm. And in the temple, this was this was two years ago, almost in the temple, my daughter was sitting up in the celestial room in the Portland temple, and she she saw her come, this a vision in her face that she was there, and she just said to my daughter, I'm so happy. Mm -hmm. so, so we believe she accepted the gospel and so we're helping do a lot of her family work. Her family is the Pratts back in um, oh, Iowa, Ohio area. So it's pretty cool. But it's it's all around. I've seen I'm because I'm open up to it. When my uh, friend was here in Cottage Grove doing. She was a psychologist herself, and she was doing, uh, she had a clientele of 
people who had been sexually abused. And so my neighbors across the street, I kind of got to know them really well. And I believe they are knee deep in satanic ritual abuse, but they're hidden. One's a midwife, one's a pastor at a church. And I'm just, I just stay really carefully away from them. <laughs> wow. It's intense though, but it sounds crazy, but it's hidden all around us. Mm -hmm. That's Certainly. what I've come to know. Oliver Hung in that, uh, that clip there, he, he equates it, nature cult, satanic cult. It's, it's one and the same thing. Mm -hmm. And um, like we were uh, in our poll quiz there, right? Uh, what is the, the good? What is the, what is it counterfeiting and, and what is it trying to um, uh, replace or, or tarnish? And here in, in this chapter here, Avraham kind of lines out a few different things, but it is kind of, kind of jumbled up. It's almost uh, a mystery to even decode this, but um, that in a first paragraph that it seeks out a substitute for paradise. Um, there's a, a heavenly mother uh, counterfeit as we look at ancient Israel and what they turned nature cults into. There's uh, fertility and virginity, ritualistic uh, rites and abuse there, satanic ritual abuse, breaking the Sabbath is often accompanied with it. Um, it it's basically taking something so sacred and then making it about them themselves and uh, uh, kind of mocking God in the act of, uh, of doing that kind of a thing. It, the way they do that today is um, like on Sundays. So they'll have <clears throat> the Super Bowl. That's a big one. It's on a Sunday. There's one thing. All of the guys, they're there. They're sitting there on the couch worshiping. But like during halftime, the show they have, that's purely a satanic ritual that they're performing and everybody that's watching is actually performing it too by just watching and participating. And then you'll see shows like the Grammys. Notice they're all on a Sunday. And once you learn their symbolism too, they've counterfeited our symbolism because that used to always mess with my head because I'd see those same symbols in the temple. Satan has tried to counterfeit just everything to make us second guess it but all of those events are that's all they are and once you start looking you're like holy cow it's in plain sight mm. and most people say oh that was so creative and wonderful and I'm like that's hmm, something different yeah yeah it's crazy I mean I don't watch it anymore <laughs> um it, it's very interesting uh kind of seeing this in in lots of different um aspects right when when there's multiple corroborations of it and, and things so one thing that i, I want to read uh, a little paragraph from from this book here um but this is like lance richardson who did a lot of work with like uh the hopi indians and uh, studying zion out very uh thoroughly and then they they take all of their information there's so there's like three people there's larry barkdale lance richardson and his brother uh ron and um, and so what they did was they take all of these these things that occurred around the world, and then they wrote an, a a fictional story around it so that we can kind of see where we're at and how to get to Zion, kind of a thing. It's a very interesting fictional book. I, I think I've recommended it here before. 
but oh, it's all blurry. Hold it. Yeah, hold it Zion seeking the city of Enoch. Um, because I've got my camera set so that it won't autofocus. Okay. So, anyway, um, so let me read this this paragraph here. So to kind of set it up, um, there, the the society is collapsing, and there's the the main kind of family is on the the run because they've started pushing back against the the society and there's this prophet Enoch that's um, out there trying to to preach to people to save them before the destruction hits and so um, this son Enos uh, again this is all historical <laughs> fiction but you're going to see some familiar names here but um, Enos was part of kind of the the military they call it the uh, Rahaj and um, in order to be initiated into the Rahaj there was satanic ritual abuse that they had to enter into um, uh, in, in groves of trees kind of a thing, um, but he escaped it. And uh, there comes a point in the story when he feels like he can't connect with God because he feels he's went too far. So this paragraph is is kind of jarring. It, it's, you know, the, the spiciest part of the whole book. <laughs> but like, um, I think that it details exactly based on their research and things of of the satanic nature cults in the past and their uh, their key in our modern application here so um his father asked what have you done and he says those of the the rahaj take oaths he said breaking the oath of loyalty has a penalty of death and the oaths are riveted down by rituals administered by the watchers in a place called the grove um a sacrifice is demanded of the initiates the sacrifice is virginity he said something i realize now is precious and sacred and cannot be replaced i swore an oath of allegiance to the rahaj i received a secret name and special robes the watchers anointed me with blood then i made a sacrifice i lay with a young woman a virgin who had been brought to the grove by her father a watcher she was as terrified as I was. Neither of us knew of such things, but the sacrifice demanded that I forfeit what was most sacred to me and take what was most precious to her. She wept and begged her father to save her from this thing. She pled for me to refrain, but I fulfilled my oath and made my sacrifice. I became a Rahaj that night, and I sent away a young maiden sobbing. To this day, I do not know her name. And and it goes on to explain his his repentance process and things, but but that was really hard for him to come back from because it it is it, it's an actual ordinance an oath uh, from the dark side right and um, anyway that that sort of tale is told in actual history amongst Israelites amongst Canaanites and Edomites and all of the ites <laughs> over there and it's playing out. Uh, nowadays just as much as it was then but like you said it's kind of hidden in plain sight but once you know you know <laughs> right yeah, I saw a picture uh, just up in Portland there's this grove so it's like it's not even hidden it's called the grove I can't remember exactly what they call it it's just in a little cul-de-sac and it's just got these tall iron gates and you can see some of their statues that go back it's very wooded up in in Portland, you know, there's a lot of trees and stuff. It's really pretty, but super gated, and it's just right by all this residential stuff. Mm -hmm. I I don't even want to go Google what all happens. I just already know. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
It's interesting that this always happens in groves. So what's the mm-hmm. what's the issue with groves, right? Um, as we take a look back at Israelite history, um, we see that with the Josiah reforms and uh, with with many other things, that and Isaiah mentions the the Asherah uh, a few times in in his uh, works as well. That this was a common thing. That to some degree they were worshiping Heavenly Mother to uh, a bad extent, to where they would actually believe that these these virginity sacrifices were an honor and an offering to her so that she would bless them in in, in deeper ways. Uh, as we take a look at the surrounding cultures, uh, there's the Baal myth, right? We see that a lot in um, Isaiah's writings. Um, so Asherah is the, the uh, consort. There's different names for her, Asherah, Ashtaroth, uh, Anat, um, they're all the consort of this Baal god. And so um, it, it's kind of taking the divine feminine and uh, amplifying it out into a satanic uh, worship and, and ritual. And like like that uh, paragraph said in there, I mean, that's historical fiction, but like, uh, I think that it brought out two really important points. It was a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice that was giving up what's most important to you and taking it from what's most important to them. Uh, both parties are not willing, but yet they're doing it because they feel like they don't have another choice. Like they want to enter into the Rahaj or, or they think that they're doing something else. They're, there's a big brainwashing element to the ritualistic abuse or else it wouldn't be happening, right? Uh, Satan's so crafty and getting in there and uh, really boarding it, uh, spinning it out of control. But anyway, it, it's quite wild. <laughs> if you've read the, the Glenn Pace memos for, for the church, we, we have many reports that it happens within our church buildings and uh, they use those as the groves in, in many cases. But I live in Cottage Grove. That just struck me today now. <laughs> my town my state president he calls it the sacred grove (laughs) when he drives here Mm -hmm. yeah and then what uh, claire says here in the chat that this seems like some of the things that the prophets who wrote in the book of mormon refrained from giving details of these types of sins because it's so Mm -hmm. horrific yeah Uh, once you understand what was happening anciently in Israel and and what's happening today then when you're reading the Book of Mormon you're like oh my goodness exactly and in 2020 when all of this came to my attention I was like we were doing Book of Mormon that year and I'm like this is it I can see it now I could see it in the Book of Mormon yeah, how many times in in the Book of Mormon uh, do a, does a prophet or or somebody kind of detail out? Uh, I hate to even speak of these things with your tender wives and children, right? But like this is happening, and we have to acknowledge that that Satan is very real and uh, counterfeiting uh, true principles and, and things. And so, like one of the things that's really popular today right is is kind of a divine feminine movement uh we we desperately want to connect with our heavenly mother but at the same time beware of satan because satan's right there to to mimic and counterfeit it and and take you off in 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 bad areas and stuff and so i think as 
I think that that's where like the brethren are coming from, right? Where they're, they're seeing these patterns and and seeing that that we're headed in in the same direction with a lot of our yearning to to connect with Heavenly Mother, which is yeah. a good thing, but yet it can be easily thwarted and uh, pull you down in a, a negative path. Remember that happened in my stake. What was it? It was during the pandemic. It might have been had to have been June 2021 when we had a divine feminine women's state conference and we all were sitting there and couldn't believe it we did a big backlash to the state president to the release society president and this is through Eugene Oregon super liberal and they did nothing it was a-okay with them but we were instructed in that state conference to pray openly in our meetings to heavenly mother so it was pretty mm-hmm. i mean i i'm a rule follower you know i do pray to heavenly mother in my own you know prayer time but for i i do follow the handbook too of what it says we should do but it was um carolyn pearson some really famous authors and people, artists that had quite a bit of fame. I can't remember the artist's name. She was from Utah, but they got really feisty at the end about what we should be doing. And we, a whole bunch of us, I guess at my ward, I was at home watching and then at my ward, our Relief Society president shut the recording off. And it was, it was intense. And then that next fall came the talk from, I think it was Elder Renland about, it was in the women's portion of the general conference about exactly that. I'm like, they're talking about exactly our stake. <laughs> our stake did that. Yeah. That's interesting. It's frightening because it's just all around us, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not frightened, but got my eyes open watching you <laughs> yeah. my eyes opened. it was interesting a couple of weeks ago um when i said that i was excited for the the nature cult chapter or whatever because it's <laughs> it you know it, it really opens your eyes really wide to, to things um but as i was saying that to somebody they're like isn't that just about like environmentalists and tree huggers and things but but here's something that i would pose to ask that, that question they're on the top of 36 um it says that in a similar manner god makes an end of them in that day of his burning wrath it is does god care if we are tree huggers and environmentalists and you know just i i don't think that he <laughs> is condemning that action to to full-on like we got to mm-hmm. get rid of them of this burning wrath at the end days right but it's it's what accompanies a lot of the uh, environmental um type of of movement um we've seen it with uh the hippies back in the day a uh, drug and sex and and the the rock and roll culture and things it's just kind of the the front of it is uh caring about environment and uh things like this but but inwardly they're just wanting to escape reality and uh not take responsibility for their own actions and escape consequences and things um but 
<laughs> that were, well, for some reason, when you're talking, that kind of triggered my memory of, um, I forget what it's called, just recently, or within this last year, I think, that, um, what do they call it, some Abrahamic, oh, I, what is it called, shoot, where the, it was essentially like, to me, I saw that, and that was like total Mother Earth worship, or, you know, it was kind of the, that, the green movement, they are like creating their Ten Commandments. Anyways, to me, it was just such a mock of yeah. uh, God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Are you talking um, about the repentance that the Catholic Church? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Pope was the yeah, but I think it was like a multi. Wasn't it like a multi faith thing? But but I know the Pope was kind of spearheading it. I think when the yeah. article that I read, it was coming from the Catholic, um, but it could have been joined by others as well. But it was a uh, twelve. There were almost like twelve commandments, and they were for a, a global. Um, repentance hmm. I yeah no it just seemed like reading through it, it seemed pretty uh this line caught me um anyways i don't know just I, I, that came to my mind as mm -hmm. you're i think talking. that um there's a fine line too, because the earth has been created for us. And there's a certain sense of responsibility and stewardship and reverence that we as God's children should feel in our hearts. It's not so much in the head like, oh, you know, we need to do this or that, but it's really more of a heartfelt um, connection to our our ties to this earth because that we progress with the earth the earth fell with us we progress with the earth we're part our our destinies are linked together and so i think it's really important not to condemn um people who truly i mean i'm sure that there are people that are more corrupted in their desires to protect the earth. Certainly it can be perverted, but to care for it as a loving daughter of a loving heavenly father, to me is um, an extension of the heart and also an awareness that we, the earth and our destiny and the earth's destiny are tied together in a divine way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely believe that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, just that, that. Yeah, it's very interesting, right? How we can take the, the good thing, the, the true purpose of it, right? We learned that in the endowment to our, our, our purpose is to, to tend and take care of the garden to, uh, to have joy therein, to multiply, replenish. And yet, um, Satan's very tricky to to make a little tweak here, make a little tweak there. And uh, before you know it, there's <laughs> ritual sacrifice going on and, and totally off base. And so always making sure that we're focusing on, on the good, um, you know, because like he says here, of course, outdoor recreation isn't itself idolatrous, you know, like there, there's good things here, but 
but what ends up happening over time with with some if they if they're not constantly uh, in tune with God and checking with him on on lots of given things um it, it's often uh, an excuse to to the Sabbath day oh it's okay I'm just going to go out in nature I feel more connected with God out there than I do in a church kind of a thing you know like I hear that all the time around all here. the time yeah <laughs> and uh oh it's okay we're with our family it's it's okay if we go out boating or doing different things out in in nature as long as we're with family we don't need to go to church um and and it's a slippery slope from there <laughs> yeah they'll say they feel closer to God out in nature which you can feel close to God in nature but it's just a cheap excuse for their idolatry mm-hmm yeah, and so uh, I I would like to kind of switch over to exactly what what Lisa's talking about there and stuff. Like, so let's brainstorm. Like, what are the good ways that we can um, take nature cults, flip it on its head, and make sure? How can we check ourselves all the time? How can we um, help others um, have a good connection with nature and and things without? Um, going over to the dark side of what nature cults uh, can become. So yeah, just kind of throwing that out. What, what's the good side? How can we uh, strive to implement that in our lives? Well, I feel lucky I was so poor my whole life, so I couldn't afford to buy boats and all the things that my brother and sister have because they're so heavy into their horse trailers and boats and snowmobiles and et cetera that they get the excuse now that on Sunday, yeah, when it's hunting season or 4th of July weekend, they don't feel any remorse in breaking it. So I, I feel lucky I was poorer than they were, so I couldn't afford it. So I didn't do it. I think that's a blessing for me. Mm-hmm. But to help them, that's hard because <laughs> they don't see anything wrong with it. My sister will say, like, she likes to rope. She's a rodeo person and she'll go roping on Sunday and there's a bishop that she ropes with and she told me, well, he thinks it's okay. And so that's how she justifies it. Well, a bishop said it's okay. So it's okay. I'm like, okay. I don't know how to help her. Mm -hmm. It's, I want to hear what other people have to say. Well, I was poor too, so I have experienced nature only as well as my two feet will take me there. And I'm also kind of not very good at mechanical things. So, you know, if I can have a, you know, maybe a yoga mat to do some stretches on, that's as technological as I get. I don't like a lot of stuff. So when I go out into nature, you know, maybe I'll take a snack and some water and my shoes and off I go. And when I'm walking in nature, I am constantly praising the Lord because it's to me, it's so magnificent to be able to experience with a pure heart, his creations. So for me, it's, the furthest thing in my mind is trying to make it into something it isn't. <laughs> it's just, just mm-hmm. this is this whole discussion in so many ways is very sobering, but it, in other ways, it's going completely over my head. And I don't mean to say that in a way that I'm 
trying not to see, but I do think there is part of me that would rather not. Some of the things we've discussed are very important, uh, Tracy, to be aware of. But, you know, for me, I could easily just like pull a curtain over my mind on those things. But, but I think it's important to be aware. Mm -hmm. Sobering, but to be aware of. Um, I'm grateful that my experience of nature is, has been pure and has not been tainted. Mm -hmm. very very grateful I think you're right on that the like everything it goes back to heart and intent and everything um um and I and I think that's you know to me I, I I think a lot of it is looking at the fruits as well like you know you know I think on one hand like I absolutely agree with the absolute responsibility and need to be good stewards of the earth. But there's also there's also this big movement that looking at the fruits, you, you, it's not in the right heart, you know, like with the right motive or intent, because you know how quickly it turns to depopulation, it turns to you know, it, denying God, it turns to, you know, the earth does become God. And, and so, so to protect earth, that means, you know, we are, we are just parasites. And, you know, I hear that so much. And I think that's my concern with seeing this whole earth repentance thing, you know, because I know a lot of those people involved are depopulate the earth and that kind of nonsense. So for me, it is like, it's such a counterfeit to being a good, a truly a good godly steward, you know, where it, you know, where we, we do appreciate this amazing creation, but it warps it into, you know, just Satan's, you know, we all know that garbage. <laughs> Well, those depopulation people and their agendas, they want to enforce rules on us that they do not themselves obey. Oh. They fly in their private jets to their <laughs> gatherings as they figure out ways to put their thumb on, on God's children. So, right. Um, right. And that, and, and so, so much hypocrisy. Absolutely. So yeah, their, their fruits just speak for themselves right it's just mm -hmm. anyways yeah I think it'll be interesting to see how we relate to the earth in the millennium mm -hmm. i'm sure that there will be many eyes that are opened to how natural it is to care for god's creations and it's not something that should be perverted mm -hmm. yeah and then doesn't it tend to go with, I mean, the, it's all about the commandment that God says to keep the Sabbath day holy. Right. That's part of it. And, and sometimes we want to say, look at these people that want to go out and on a Sunday and be in nature, but it's okay for us to sit and watch the Super Bowl at home because <laughs> we're not out going into nature and stuff. So it really, God says, there's a great litmus test 
on who's his people and who are not. And it's very simple. Who keeps the Sabbath day holy are his people. Who do not keep the Sabbath day holy are not his people. And so it, the question then says, what is keeping the Sabbath day holy? And he doesn't make it a hard thing to understand. He says, you're building the kingdom. You're taking care of the poor. You're taking care of the less fortunate. You're getting out of yourself and thinking about others and how they can be helped. That's very simple. You, you can't you know, twist it to mean different things, but we try to do that as well. And sometimes we, we wanna say, well, these people are not keeping the Sabbath day holy, but I am to a better degree. I don't keep it completely holy, but I do better than them. Mm -hmm. And that's not what God says. God says, if you keep it, you're my people. If you don't keep it, it's a sure witness that you're not my people. Mm -hmm. So when, when people say, I, I can do this on the Sabbath, okay, let's go to the scriptures. Does the scripture say that's what the Lord expects on the Sabbath? It's his day. It's not your day. It's his day to give everything you have to him by helping other people mainly and getting out of yourself. So I think that sometimes we get caught up in, in, the, in the little things when it's really simple what the Lord says, but we don't want to really listen to that because then it affects us. Yeah. Yeah, I love it because it, it kind of goes back to that, um, that one question that I asked at the very beginning, right, of the what came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, did na is nature cults the catalyst or the result of other idolatry? And and like what you said there, it, it all comes back to kind of the Sabbath day, right? Like when when you have whatever fruit you're bearing, it, it, it's either keeping the Sabbath day or or not, and and you're either his people or you're not. It's very black and white, um, and so in many ways nature cults is is a catalyst for other things and, and in many ways it's a result of uh, other idolatry but regardless when it comes back to the basics I, I think it all really does come back down to that sabbath day worship that you were talking about i get really extreme i think sometimes with it but like i used to love to go for walks and stuff but i'm now even very careful about okay are you exercising because i would consider that for me breaking the sabbath so sometimes when i do a walk it'll just be on my property not very far just admiring nature and stuff like that where because i think a lot of people you know they'll like go to church and then go to the coast and i don't know i i sometimes get worried that okay that's breaking the sabbath because it's too it's too recre recreation-y for for that you know what i mean but it's it's hard when you live in a pretty place like i do <laughs> <laughs> for people i don't think that that's that's uncalled for didn't uh, michael and and jehovah have a a conversation about the earth isn't this beautiful Michael, yes, this is beautiful. I mean, we should adore the earth. It's a great place for us to progress to another place. And, and we should appreciate that. And I don't think it's so much 
what we do, but the attitude in which we are doing it. Are we thinking only of ourselves while we're looking at things or appreciating beauty? Or are we also thinking, Heavenly Father, this is beautiful. Thank you. And how do you want me to help Joe over there? I mean, it's got to be part and parcel. It isn't just this and all your thoughts have to be helping the neighbor. You can appreciate what God has given us. And that's not wrong. Well, I take it to the extreme of, okay, so if I go to the coast, yeah, I'm going to go have fish and chips. And then, then I'll be breaking the Sabbath by purchasing things. I'm, I'm like super hardcore, I guess. But is it you purchasing, is that breaking the Sabbath? Or is you purchasing making other people break the Sabbath? Right, both. Do you worry more about you breaking it or what you're causing other people to break? Right. I don't I don't do it. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but I'm scared to death because I do so other many other things. I don't I'm trying to say I can eliminate this one. Mm -hmm. But yeah, very interesting. Mm -hmm. I, a lot of it just comes down to intent and, and everything and making it sure that intent. So my question, just after reading this chapter, um, was, yeah, I mean, the very first sentence in the chapter, you know, saying the prophet Isaiah refers to nature worship that is prevalent among God's people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and while I, you know, like just in our discussion, while I, you know, I'm thinking God's people referring to God's covenant people right mm -hmm. um and so that's just kind of because that's kind of isaiah right it's it's okay he was speaking to god's covenant people israel and now like and it applies to god's covenant people today is that a fair mm -hmm. okay um i'm like make sure i'm clear on that first because that's just how i see it you know i'm reading and like hey this this applies to us so how does it apply to us and while, yeah, definitely there's the Sabbath breakers, you know, I, it, which I can, you know, I'm sure I do as I'm trying to do better, but like there's the, you know, go play on your toys on Sunday. There's, there's these kind of things, but to me, like the bit, the, the, which is, I guess that's, you know, the Sabbath breaking is huge. That is what, you know, big part of what brings on God's wrath. But um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, and, and, and I totally know and believe that the satanic cults, the nature worship that he, he says it is, exists and stuff. And probably like Tracy was saying, like, to a far greater degree than I want to even believe, mm -hmm. but anyways, my thing is like, it, as he's saying, it's prevalent among God's people. I mean, do you guys think that the, that the, to me, the big nastiness of the, the satanic cult, the nature worship in that sense, like, are you, are we thinking there's a tie to like God's covenant people in that sense? Or you, do you guys see it more as 
just the the fact that we are more on the breaking the Sabbath side. Anyways, ramble. Aren't there three ways to? I mean, you've got the the covenant people that live the Mosaic law. In other words, thou shalt not do this on the Sabbath. And then you have the higher law that says, here's what you should do on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. Doesn't tell you don't do this and don't do that. The, the higher law says, you need to open up. You need to go out and search. You need to build the kingdom. The lower law says, don't do this, don't do this, and don't do this on the Sabbath. And then you've got the people that don't even know who God is, that don't believe in that kind of thing. And they have no covenant with God. They, they, they just don't. And they can't receive the blessings for living the covenant. And whether it's in our day, we still, many of us, live the Mosaic law. Right. When we have presented to us the higher law, and the higher law never says, don't do, don't do, don't do. It says, here's what you need to do. And so that our decision is... becomes not, not to do it because God said, don't do that. It's, we need to do this because God says this is important to do. Which is being taught so beautifully as we're studying the New Testament. That <laughs> just... That summarizes that so perfectly. Yeah. I love how Isaiah is such a, a masterful writer for the end times, a, a very uh, excellent apocalyptic uh, prophet, where he's taking what he's seen as uh, his contemporary Israel that is bringing upon themselves the condemnation of God. They're going to be scattered here pretty soon. And then he's projecting forward to the end time saying, you guys are doing the exact same thing, if not worse. And, and here's how it's compacting and uh, growing into things. And so it's, it's interesting what Isaiah is bringing out about the nature cults. Um, it, it's kind of a, a, a threefold uh, headed beast, right? So you have the, the groves and the, the Asherah worship because they're always whoring after other gods. They never want to acknowledge the one true God. They're, they're always going after the other gods and, and performing rites and rituals to uh, to them, in this case, Asherah. And then there's the, the Sabbath breaking and the uh, complete disregard for um, the Mosaic law and, and the higher purposes that, that we've talked about there. And then the actual abuse of, of children, uh, because that is so prevalent uh, back then. I mean, they were <laughs> like with, with, with Kamosh, right? Like they were actually putting their babies in this fiery belly and and offering them up um, to a, a false god for, I mean, you have to get pretty far to, to do that, but yeah, we're doing the same thing. Uh, we have uh, child sacrifice and worship. We have um, these fertility and virginity stripping rituals that uh, we un with knowingly and unknowingly participate in and then we have this this worship of of another god we have kind of a, a threefold beast that we're we're trying to tackle and isaiah puts it so masterfully where this is israel's downfall back then and it will be our downfall uh well i mean not 
downfall. Yeah, downfall because they're going to be yeah. swept off, right? Yeah, and that's yeah, and because we are being the covenant people, while we can receive the blessings, we also are. Yeah, we we there's the curse side of it. Um, We're going to watch and, it all burn down. <laughs> but that's my that's my thing is where, you know, like I can see. I can see the Sabbath thing and everything. And so like, to me, I'm like, he's talking to God's people. And, and I, and while I see the child sacrifice on the outside of that doesn't, isn't that implying that it's happening among God's people. And like, so where, like, what is that looking like today? Cause no, yeah, we're not, we're not taking our babies and, sticking them in you know fire or whatever but like they are they're doing but, that but, but are who's we they are? like is it like i well, maybe I, you crazy that might be another conversation you and i could have that okay because that's i'm like <laughs> he's talking to god's people so where and and how, where are we participating in that because this is what i want to know how yeah. am i i don't want to participate in that in any way just like none of us do no you're so, not so where participating in it if you take your family you as a king and a queen of your family and you take your children off into the lake to go boating are you not sacrificing your children uh, in exactly the same way you're taking them away from heavenly father you're mm -hmm. taking them away for the cut from the covenants you know you you have two covenants one that's a conditional covenant and one that's an unconditional covenant we're striving to be people that are under the unconditional covenant because god knows we will do what we're supposed to do not by force but we do it because we've become that most of us are still under the conditional you do this and this will happen good for you oh yeah and and if, and if we're taking our families as parents and breaking the sabbath and teaching them that it is not important in any way i mean there's always degrees but in any, any way then aren't we sacrificing our children wow. so it doesn't always have to be you have to put them in the burning belly there's other ways of sacrificing our children if we don't teach them if we don't teach them by example if we don't teach them by the scriptures and, and and by love and all of these other things that's sacrificing our children as well and it's, it's a higher thing to think about most of us aren't going to go take our kids unless they hit 12 or 13 then we will put them in the belly but you know we're not going to do that but we will not hesitate sometimes to help them break the sabbath when they wouldn't if we didn't do it that's a good point yeah, mom, what you got? I've got a couple stories, so. <laughs> yeah, I'll hurry. No, no. Um, I, I was just thinking, like, anytime we break a commandment, then Satan has more power over us. And so we're just opening up to, we're being vulnerable if we, we are breaking a commandment. I was thinking about um, the the Sabbath day and keeping it holy um, because 
we're a promised land here in uh, America, and there's scriptures about keeping the Sabbath day holy, and if you don't, you, you're under condemnation. And I, I feel like we are very much under condemnation because uh, we see it happening a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you how Cameron helps keep me from breaking the Sabbath, although I wouldn't want to. Trying to keep up with him with all those reading assignments. I'm so busy on Sunday trying to catch up on my studies that I don't have time to look to the right or the left. <laughs> That's one way to do it, right? Just your nose in the book. <laughs> yeah. So here's... Uh, kind of going right back to, to Amy's uh, question or whatever. So here's two things that uh, hopefully no one from Malta ever sees this. <laughs> but so junior high, we had our football initiation ritual. So stupid. I can't believe we even did it. But anyway, so I, I was doing junior high football, hated it, just hated the environment. There was lots of swearing all the time and stuff. I mean, and Keep in mind, like we're like what 98% LDS here in this small community and everything. I really hated it. But when we got to freshman year, I was debating whether to, to continue on. And we were pulled in as, as freshmen and we were sat down and we were forced to watch a rape video. And it was students of the school raping this other girl. And there was masked figures in this video that were clearly adults. And they, they said that I, there was lots of blood involved. We had to smear blood on our face and all this stuff and swear that we'd never tell anybody about this video. And I was like, what on earth are we doing? The, the, people, <laughs> the people that were in the video performing the actions were all priests blessing the sacrament on the next Sunday. And I was like, what? What? I, I went inactive after it. I was like screw it. I don't even care about the church anymore. Like if this is what this is, I don't want to be a part of it. And I, I tried to tell somebody years after the fact and they didn't believe me. It was just like, no, nobody would do that. Like, You're a crazy person. And I'm like, I witnessed it. There was a whole group of us as freshmen that entered into that, whatever right it was. And we're all LDS. Like it was, it was wild to me. And then my time up at Rexburg, I got into <laughs> friends with some greenies, some tree hugger people or whatever, and almost the same thing played out. And I was like, what is going on with the church? And, and again, my, my testimony kind of wavered of like, I don't even know what, what's going on. So there was two times. And then um, as I'm reflecting back on this years later, and I'm like, holy cow, how did I escape? And how did, how is my testimony actually there when like some of these things were, were prevalent and, and, and if it's happening here in small town Malta, is it happening elsewhere? And, and the answer is yes. Like it's widespread within even covenant keeping members. Well, not covenant keeping uh, on the facade, covenant facade members of the church, right? Like I think that we, we have a hard time accepting it because it seems so far-fetched. It's kind of like the Me Too movement. Oh, people are just jumping on the bandwagon or, or whatever, trying to, to cause a ruckus. But acknowledging that 
that this stuff happens and and satan is very crafty with with how he gets when you take an inch like my mom was saying when you give an inch then he'll take a mile and and before you know it there's there's some some major things going on so one of the biggest problems that we we have is that we misinterpret the church the church is like buying an automobile and it has all the bells and whistles how to make you have a comfortable drive but now you get in it and you do wheelies and you do screeching and you run into trees and you run into mountains and you say i hate this green cadillac it's a terrible car it runs into mountains and it does this and it does that the church is a vehicle to get us to christ but we drive the vehicle so we're not perfect and and when we get into the car we get into the vehicle we make sometimes really stupid mistakes ourselves. Other people make stupid mistakes and it doesn't matter whether they're in leadership or not. If they were perfect, they wouldn't even be there. So, you know, I think sometimes we blame the church when we look for the enemy, but the enemy is us. It's the way we, each one of us individually treat ourselves irrespective of everybody else. God wants us to become something. He wants us to become something that has nothing to do with don't do and, and do. And it, it's who we become. And that's an individual thing. The church just helps us get there in a comfortable way if we will listen and follow. But we want to do it our way sometimes. And sometimes that's, you know, but, but we always end up blaming the church. And it's not the church. The church is the vehicle. It's those of us that are in the church that are less than perfect that cause these problems. And you've got to recognize that and not blame the church. Mm -hmm. For sure. And then one other aspect of it that I think uh, with the the Kamosh of of ancient Israel times where we're sacrificing children is our modern abortions. I mean, they they run rampant within the church itself. Two of my classmates had abortions that their parents are like, oh yeah, we'll we'll just go do it. No problem kind of thing. And it's like, where where did that become okay? (laughs) But um, I I think that we're... Thou shalt not kill. (laughs) And and stuff, but but, yeah. Flame. Yeah, exactly. Like like Ricky's saying, we have to check ourselves and our intent and uh, all of these different things and mm-hmm. not just be blaming the church as a whole, but recognizing that within the church that there are, because sometimes we kind of have our, our rose-colored glasses on, right? Like, oh, the church is perfect and uh, no way anything could uh, bad like that happen. You know, like when a bishop falls and becomes part of a sex trafficking ring, we just like, oh, that's a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. But realizing that we're all individuals and we have to not judge the church, but um, judge ourselves. Yeah. 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 So this was like one of the the hardest conversations (laughs) today. I mean, one of the the most sobering kind of almost depressing ones, but Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully we we've taken nature cults, unpacked it and and, uh, understand it a little bit more fully, but um, yeah, I don't know any, final kind of comments and or questions or anything did you get to go through all the things you had saved up for the end 
Cameron? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you want to miss those. I appreciated Tracy's uh, written comment about another way that children are sacrificed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't kept up with the, the things here. So is it uh, like the snowmobiling or no, down further public school? Um, one place we sacrifice our children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Letting them go to public schools. So uh, she says, now I'm a public school teacher. I take very good care of the children under my care. Uh, cast out Satan often. I will not let my kiddos see or read materials that are indoctrinating them to evil. But uh, now I know what I know. I would never let my child go to public school if I had to do over. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. It, it was interesting. You know, if, if you're taking some church history stuff, like public school was um, a, a very big no-no in the early church. And yet that's another thing that we've kind of why yeah i, I actually sure. almost did homeschool my daughter i came super close to it because i was unemployed at the time and i could have done it i i came super close to doing it and i'm like oh i was being prompted and i was out of the church at that point but i was still being prompted i can look back and see all the times ah you dummy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then what uh, 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 Rike says in, in the chat there, in Germany, our children have to visit a school. If not, the police will come, the parents will be in big trouble. Uh, we may send our children to a private school, but it costs a ton of money, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> the costs are astronomical sometimes with the private schools. Um, but we and those aren't safe either. <laughs> yeah. That's a, gotta be a really hard place to be in, you know, just not having that option. I feel so blessed to have that option because not everybody does i mean yeah threaten to have your kids taken away how horrible yeah. but yeah so anna is like oh no oh, anna i'm so sorry Shoot. I reminded everyone about time changes because uh in oh. intermountain west yes we had our our daylight savings was that just last week yeah, yeah. so Sorry, that, oh, it, it's on my to-do list every time change to make sure that everybody knows that we got to adjust for it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Arizona, uh, I don't know about- Germany, Germany. probably, yeah, she probably missed it too. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, I'll, I'll send out another reminder next, or a reminder next week uh, about that time change so that we, we get that and everything. But yeah, right now it is, um, uh, anyway, just an hour later than, uh, we usually am. Hopefully, they're gonna stop the time changes soon. No, let, let's just. Oh, please. <laughs> no, please. Oregon, Oregon, California, and um, Washington had to all three agree. They've all three agreed. Oh, really? And it was gonna go through, but now one of the states held it up, so now it's gonna have to go another cycle, <laughs> and then it won't change anymore. Who knows? Stay tuned. <laughs> if we all just combined, refuse to yeah. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Show up to work late. Yeah. Sorry, I refuse to support that system anymore. <laughs> you organize that mass protest, Cameron. Yeah, you know how, you know how we're, we follow your lead. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Moroni, go. <laughs> While we're at it, let's get rid of the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> Don't get me started about that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. It frustrates me to no end. I, me too. I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I have a hard time at Christmas. I'm like, nope. <laughs> New Year's. Um, <laughs> um, um, next week we're going to do uh, chapter 10, which is also another one of like. I know I kept reading and I was like, oh. When you read the title, Mammon of Unrighteousness, you're like, I don't, I, I, I'm not a mammon of unrighteousness kind of person, but uh, you'd be surprised as you read it, you're like, oh, this is I kind of- I think I have some things to root out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm excited for, for next week as yeah. well. But yeah, anyway, thanks for a great, fun discussion, even though it was a little sobering. <laughs> but yeah, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see everyone next week for mammon of unrighteousness. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, Loved everyone's comments. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.